The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Glad you dialed us up. Remember, if you've got a friend that can't listen to this show right now, tell them it's going to be on podcast. Have some great guests for you, one new one and one veteran of Winning Ponies. The veteran, of course, is Michael Baychak, a national handicapping champion uh, that always has a, a great analysis of upcoming races. Uh, we're going to look uh, from coast to coast, as you know, with Derby and Oaks coming up. Everybody's holding back on their top-graded races. So we've got three grade threes, and we're going to go starting on the east coast at Aqueduct. It's the grade three Excelsior. The top four finishers of the Stymie are going to rematch in that race. Then we'll go down to the Gulfstream Park to the Miami Mile, another grade three, 100,000 up for grabs, and then out to Santa Anita for the running of the last tycoon. So Michael Baychak will be our second guest. Our first guest is Jeff Platt. Now, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the name, but you may be familiar with the organization of which he's the president, and that's the Horse Players Association of North America, which is pretty much all the listeners of Winning Ponies. And uh, basically, uh, Hannah, we'll call it, uh, it's a grassroots nonprofit organization made up of horse players just like you. Simply put, they're not happy with track management and horsemen's groups and less thrilled with what they're doing with the game that we love. Uh, they uh, want open access to track signals for ADWs, takeouts that are competitive with other forms of gambling, uh, the abolishment of breakage. So it'll be very interesting to get Jeff Platt's read on the organization, Horse Players Association of North America. All right, well, we hope you had a great week last week uh, at the races. And uh, if you pulled down your easy win forms, you sure as all heck did, again, from coast to coast. Uh, just yesterday at Aqueduct, we nailed a $1 super for $9,698. Just a few days before at Keeneland, a $2 pick six. I paid $8,348. We'll go down to uh, Gulfstream Park where we had a $1 Super 5 key that paid $2,739. And not to ignore our friends out on the West Coast, had some nice hits there in the form of Golden Gate, a $1 Super Key that paid $1,800. And Santa Anita, a $1,400 Super Key. Don't forget... Winning ponies, easy win forms, going to put you in the winner's column. All right, well, as you know, the big race that we highlighted last week came from a small track, that being Charlestown, and uh, the results were 
quite, quite interesting, and the race itself was quite interesting. Um, it featured perhaps one of the greatest horses in the world in shared belief, and uh, if you watch the race, you notice that coming out of the gate, uh, Mike Smith and, and, and shared belief just uh, didn't grab the track quite right, and as uh, it kind of kind of stumbled as as he came out, and and did not fire was was second to last uh, going into the first turn, and of course Charlestown is is kind of a different track in that. Uh, in going the distance that they were going, a mile and an eighth, they actually go around three turns. Uh, Moreno broke out on top and uh, and and got the job done. And uh, Mike Smith going into what would be the second turn just felt that that something was wrong uh, with shared belief and pulled him up. And it was a wise, wise move because as we find out, it turns out that, that shared belief actually uh, seriously injured his hip, not to the point of, of, of breakdown by any means, but uh, to, to the point that uh, it looks like he's going to be off perhaps the better part of the year. So uh, we, we really wish the, the best uh, to uh, um, Jerry Hollendorfer, who's been on the show with us, and uh, to... Uh, Everybody involved with shared belief, but what a great move by Mike Smith in in pulling him up. Uh, you'll have to bear with me for a second here. My uh, my computer notes are kind of jamming up on me, and uh, hopefully, it looks like I might have them back. I do, and uh, it was uh, the week where they pulled down the nominees for the Hall of Fame. King Leatherberry, the fourth winningest trainer in history, made good on his very first appearance on the ballot being voted into the Hall of Fame along with late jockey Chris Antley, the horse's lava man, and extra heat. The National Museum Hall of Fame announced on Monday. Uh, those four individuals received the most votes from the 180 voters, falling just a little short this year, were jockeys Victor Espinoza, Corey Nakatani, Craig Perret, and trainer David Whitley. Real quick, we'll take a look at the, those uh, four individuals that will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Leatherberry, 82 years old, has won 6,454 races. Uh, you know that he rose to prominence when Maryland racing really was at its peak, doing battle with guys like Buddy Delp, who's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Dick Dutro, John Tamaro. Uh, but Leatherberry's won 56 training titles combined at Pimlico, Laurel, and Delaware Park. Unbelievable. And his best horses have been grade one winners, Catatonic, who won the Hempstead, and his current stable star, Ben's Cat, 22-time stakes winner, King Leatherberry. He's the fourth leading trainer all-time in North America by wins, has won 52 training titles in Maryland, four at Delaware Park, and led all North American trainers by races won in 1977 and 78. I'm glad that they got him in the Hall of Fame. And uh, glad for, for this guy, too, though he's no longer with us. Uh, he battled his demons during his time here on Earth, and that was uh, Chris Antley, uh, who, uh, sad to say, died at the age of, of 34. But his career record, he had over 3,400 wins, including 127 
graded stakes wins and over $92 million in purses. Of course, uh, most noteworthy, uh, he was the leading North American rider by wins with 469 in 1985 and a two-time Kentucky Derby winner with Strike the Gold in 91 and Charismatic in 99. One of my favorite horses, Lava Man. He'll have to go down as the greatest claim in the game. He won 17 of 47 starts. He was claimed for 50000 not a small fee, but uh, to go on and, and do what he did to win over five. Million two hundred thousand dollars is just unbelievable. Uh, he teamed up with trainer Doug O'Neill, and uh, though he's won, he won all that money. Was retired in two thousand nine. He is now the stable pony for Doug O'Neill. What a character Lava Man is! Uh, and he's third in career by earnings among California breds behind uh, Hall of Famers. Tis now in best pal. That's not too bad. Uh, Extra Heat, speedy horse, trained by John Saltzman, compiled a record of 35 starts, 26 wins, five seconds, two-thirds. She was a champion three-year-old filly back in 2001, earnings of over $2.3 million. Well, if you want to watch the Derby, it won't be hard. NBC Sports Group is going to give us 15 and a half live hours of Derby coverage uh, through different outlets. Live coverage of 19 races, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Every race will either be an NBC or NBC Sports Network telecast windows. Uh, so there'll, there'll be plenty there. Uh, some of the highlights, Bob Costas will uh, present an essay on Kentucky Derby long shots. Uh, if you take a slap shot with Eddie Olzik, NBC Sports Group uh, leading hockey analyst. He's going to join the broadcast team. That includes uh, uh, Josh Elliott. Gary Stevens uh, is going to be featured on a profile by him. And uh, drum roll, please. I'm sure you're waiting to hear this. Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski will return as NBC Sports Group's Derby fashion and lifestyle experts. The one part of the show I will be deleting. But other than that, there's going to be some good people on the show, uh, uh, several that, that have joined us, including uh, Donna Brothers and Jay Privman and Mike Battaglia will all be part of the, the coverage of the Derby. So uh, good news out at Santa Anita, handle on track. And attendance were up as their winter meet concluded. And uh, getting uh, the top spot in the uh, standings were uh, Rafael Bayerano, 33-year-old that I watched win his very first race, notched his sixth winter meet riding title as he finished with 76 wins, 18 better than runner-up Tyler Bays. It was Jerry Hollendorfer who was on with us three weeks ago. He defeated Peter Miller at a photo finish by one win, 34-33. to It was Hollendorfer's second consecutive winter meet title. And uh, Hieronymus Racing led the way with 13 wins as owner. Uh, things are kind of settling out as far as 
who's going to be riding who in the Kentucky Derby. Gary West gives us a, uh, a derby ranking according to jockeys and points that they earned going into the derby. The big news, and we were wondering about this last week, is who Johnny Velasquez was going to ride. It looks like he is going to be on Carpe Diem uh, rather than Materiality. And it looks like Javier Castellano will ride Materiality. And Mike Smith is going to stay with Far Right. There was kind of a debate as uh, which one of those two might pick up the mount. So at the top of Gary's point system, uh, Victor Espinosa, he'll be on American Pharaoh. Martin Garcia is on Dortmund. Joel Rosario on Frosted, Johnny V on Carpe Diem, Javier on Materially. Uh, Gary Stevens will be on possible long shot firing line. Miguel Menya on International Star. Jose Ortiz gets upstart. And rounding out the top ten, Julian Leparu will be on Dan Zig Moon. I just mentioned upstart. Windstar Farm bought an interest in upstart this week. The details weren't uh, revealed, but nonetheless, now they'll have two starters in there. Upstart, who's a New York-bred son of Flatter, uh, has won three races while never finishing off the board. You may recall he crossed the finish line first, only to be DQ'd and placed second in the grade two fountain of youth. All right, well, we had Keeneland Dan Cronin on with us last week, and we'll take a look quick at the results uh, that that we had. Of course, in the Charlestown Classic, it was Moreno. After that bad start, even a shared belief had recovered. A lot of people think he wouldn't have caught uh, Moreno, paid $16 to win. Uh, in the second spot was last year's winner, Imperative, and running third at 33-1 to 1 was Paige McKinney. And then out at Santa Anita, we went to the Santa Barbara Handicap, and the winner was Queen of the Sand, Irish bread that rallied from last, just got up by an exciting nose over Fanta Cola, who led all the way but the very last stride. Oh, uh, for the horse players that had that horse, it, that one really hurt. Then at Hawthorne, we went to the Illinois Derby. I had the pleasure of watching it with a friend of mine who won the Illinois Derby in 1980 with a horse by the name of Ray's Word, Dr. Wilbur Johnston. And uh, But this year, we've got a young upstart by the name of Whiskey Ticket that could be any kind out of the Bob Baffert barn. A son of Ghost Zapper, distance shouldn't be a problem. This was only a second lifetime start. Broke his maiden going a mile at Santa Anita. Ships over to Chicago and got up by a nose, uh, held off Conquest Curlinate, who rallied from last. It'll be interesting. We'll see what shakes out after the Derby. May see uh, both of these horses in the Preakness Stakes, uh, should they uh, decide to make the trip. And then at Keeneland, uh, we went to the uh, Grade 2 Elkhorn. We said there was lots of angles, and as it turned out, it was uh, winner on the front end at 30-1. to Dramedy that got it done. In the second spot was Dynamic Sky, uh, so that was the uh, the top two in the Dixiana Elkhorn. All right, that wraps up last week's results and a look at the national racing scene. In just a minute or two, we're going to be joining Jeff Platt, president of the Horse Players Association of North America. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Got it! With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out. 
high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and joining me is Jeff Platt, the president of the Horse Players Association of North America. He kind of came to that position uh, in a different way. I'll ask him the details of it, but he actually uh, uh, has an accounting degree, and he worked for 14 years in accounting, but was not real happy to be in that line of work, swimming in papers. Uh, Then he started doing contract programming work for a Fortune 500 companies. And then uh, during a break in contracts, he launched a handicapping database startup called Jay Capper. Capper. And in 2008, he became one of the founding members of the Horse Players Association of North America. With us, Jeff Platt. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing well, John. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing very good, very good. Uh, the uh, the pollen has left the air in the Midwest, and I can actually breathe again. So ah, I'm doing that, pretty good. beautiful. You mentioned um, one of the became one of the founding members of HANA. If you can recall, 2008, that was the year that the TOC, which is the Thoroughbred Owners of California, and a group called the THG, the Horsemen's Group, decided to withhold track signals from ADWs and OTBs all over North America. And it was a month-long standoff and blackout. And it was getting to the point to where if you lived in the wrong area, you couldn't even bet the Kentucky Derby. So at the time, a number of players just became disgusted with the whole situation. And we started chatting with, with each other in the war room at Pace Advantage. And as it turned out, there were a lot of players that felt that a signal blackout was just beyond the pale. It should, it should never come to that. And we formed a group. We started chatting on Pace Advantage. We decided to actually incorporate, form a group, and see if we couldn't make a difference. Long story short, and I'm not sure how much effect I had, but once we formed Hannah, I picked up the phone and I started calling people that were involved with the signal fee blackout. I spoke to Drew Kotu, who was then president of the TOC. I spoke to Jack Lebow, who is CEO and president of Hollywood Park. And 
really all I could do. I couldn't threaten anything or hold a, you know, a hammer over their heads or anything like that, but just let them know that, hey, at this point, you guys are just alienating your customer base. And you need to realize that. Um, I don't know if that had any effect, but we formed relationships with the relevant parties. And within two weeks after making those phone calls, they had settled their dispute. And we were back to, back to normal, so to speak. Well, at that time, how many members did you have and how has it grown? We had maybe 35 or 40 members at that point. How has it grown? We've got currently about 3,000 members. And I feel as if that's just not enough. We should really have 50,000 members. And it's free to join, right? It's free to join. And if you join, we don't try and solicit you for money. We don't try and tell you, you know, how to act, what you should do. You'll get free access to a monthly PDF newsletter that has a lot of good info in it. Um, We've got guys like Barry Meadow writing for us. Last month's issue, we had an interview with Andy Beyer, who described his thoughts on the state of the game. There's, if you scroll through the back issues, there's really a lot of good content in there. So it's worth your while just to sign up. Go to horseplayersassociation.org. Sign up, become a member, get on the mailing list, and once a month at least get the free PDF that tells you what's going on in racing and things that may impact you as a horse player. You know, we, we, we hear so much. I, I've worked at racetracks for, for 33 years, and uh, so many times you still say they, they just don't get it. There there's so many things that, that frustrate me. I realize there's not a racing czar, but uh, one thing, and I was once a, a panel for the Turf Publicists of America, of which I was a, uh, the president of for several years, is the way that no, every, everybody thinks their signal is the most important and you'll have two grade ones loading in the starting gate at the same time, or grade two, or feature race of the day. Do you think they'll ever get it that they would actually make oh, more you, money you if they bought really some time? Point. Um, believe it or not, two years ago at the round table at Saratoga, the Jockey Club gave a presentation. They went out, and prior to their round table presentation, they hired a contracting firm named McKenzie & Company. And McKenzie looked at the state of the industry. They looked at handle trends. They evaluated drivers of handle. And they basically said, hey, since in the year 2003, North American thoroughbred handle peaked to that year at $15.9 billion. And here we are 10 to 12 years later, and we're coming in at about $10.5 billion, $10.7 billion meaning we've lost a third of the total customer spend on the product in just a little over a decade. And if you adjust that for inflation, it's almost a 50% loss in total customer spend on the product. Now, McKenzie and the Jockey Club knew, they're fully aware, that, hey, there isn't a racing czar. There's no commissioner. There's no one person who can speak and say, you will stagger your races. It's up to the individual tracks. So they knew they couldn't mandate that. But what they also knew they could do 
is to make a recommendation that wouldn't cost tracks any money. Right. Jock Club developed an app that's part of the Encompass system, and it's basically a race scheduling app. So, in theory, if you were willing to use it, you can log into the app on a Saturday morning and see the post times of all the races for all the other tracks going off in the country. And you could stagger your races accordingly. And the jockey club went out and they let track management know that, hey, we've got an app available. And long story short, none of the tracks decided to use it. They just wouldn't be bothered with it. As a horse player, it drives me absolutely crazy. Because I love to absorb the the best races, you know. You study them, you watch them. Hopefully, you know, that's what makes our sport grow is the fact that we we get stars and and people hook on to favorite horses and jockeys. But, you know, you can't stare at two TVs at the same time. It's just so so frustrating. Well, I know that, you know, one of the key... You know, uh, looking at your website, you know, two of the things that you're really talking to were, were awareness and, and promoting handle growth. Uh, how do you think the Horse Players Association of North America can, can impact those two hot spots? Well, I'll give you an example. Um, for their 2013 meet, prior to their 2013 meet, Kentucky Downs, they came to us and they asked a simple question. What would we have to do? to move up a spot or two in your track ratings. And the track ratings are based on takeout, wager availability, the wagering menu, field size, the handle that the track has, and signal fee distribution. And one of the suggestions we made was, you know, a lot of the tracks are offering lower takeout serial race bets, but nobody's really offering a single race churn bet at a discount. And they came back with the idea of, hey, what if we went to 18.25% exact to takeout and just tried it for a meet and measured the result? Well, they did that, and prior to the commencement of their 2013 meet, they issued a press release that was picked up by the Blood Horse, it was picked up by DRF, it was picked up by the Pollock Report. And basically, it was Corey Johnson, president of Kentucky Downs, telling the world that, hey, we're offering 18.25% exact to takeout. And they, they have a quote in the press release for me saying that I thought players would respond to it. And I thought it was a great value because no one else was doing that. Long story short, um, two weeks after their meet was over, both DRF and the Blood Horse ran stories underneath the headline that said record handle at Kentucky Downs. <laughs> they increased their handle that year 70% over the prior year. and really That's put a little bit better than that percentage that they gave up, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, 70%. Well, they followed that up the following year by keeping the takeout the same and got another increase. In hand, I think it was 30-some percent. So long story short, in two years, they doubled their handle. Now, the lower takeout bet wasn't all of it. They also put in historical or instant racing machines because in Kentucky, you're allowed to do that. 
Oh, yeah. I, I hype Kentucky Downs on this show all the time, and I'm a big fan of Corey Johnson. Right, okay. So they're using the revenue from the machines to bolster purses. So they're offering good purses. They're offering a good wagering menu for the player. And basically, they have an overall strategy of promoting themselves that hits all the right notes. And literally, that's what you have to do as a business owner to grow your business. It's not just that you do one thing and that one thing should just completely reverse your fortune. You've actually got to have a very well thought out strategy that you have to execute. And that's what they've done. And the reason and, they and Corey, handle is, Corey's taken that success too and put it yeah. back into his purses because their daily purse rate was absolutely through the roof, attracting horses from coast to coast. Of course, they are so unique. They are America's most European-style racetrack, all yeah. grass racing. I always pray he has good, good uh, weather. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I do think that that offer that he made was absolutely huge. Well, uh, Jeff Platt of Horse Racers Association North America, my producers tell me i got about a, a minute left. I want to recommend to all our listeners uh, that they go up on your website. Uh, you've got press releases, you've got links, articles, uh, resources that they can use, uh, 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 comments from your, uh, from your many members. I want to give you a chance, Jeff Platt, one more time to tell our listeners how they get to you and the fact that it's a free to be a member. All right. It's horseplayersassociation.org. If you can't remember that, just punch in the word horse players into Google and do a Google search for horse players and you'll find us on the first page of the search results. <laughs> Even I found you, and I'm not the most technology savvy yeah. guy in the world, but I thank you very much for your time, Jeff. I wish you and your entire group and all of your membership nothing but the best and let you know that I'm signing on as a member myself and uh, you're, you're doing it for all of us. I know everybody that listens to this show is in your corner. Yeah, the better we can make the game, the, the better, the longer it'll be around, the healthier it, healthier it will be, and the more enjoyable it will be for everybody involved. All right. Well, we've been listening and talking with Jeff Platt from the Horse Players Association of North America. Don't forget, horseplayersassociation.org. Write that down. Put it in your computer right now. And come on board, because it is a fantastic association. Well, I want to thank Jeff for his uh, time today, and we're going to take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, one of my favorite handicappers, Michael Baychock, will be on with us on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds Bart. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. 
Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, all hang the king in 2012... Uh, he won the $1 million first place prize, and he was honored at the Eclipse Awards. Michael Baychak, who's been so kind to be uh, with us uh, in the past. He was the Thoroughbred Racing Association Handicapper of the Year that year. And uh, he's still pretty active uh, in the contest. Uh, last week we had Keeneland Dan Cronin on, and he told me that uh, he kind of hooked up with uh, with Michael and did, did a little handicapping down uh, my stomping grounds at Keeneland. Michael, how you doing? I'm doing great, John. Yeah, we had a, uh, Dan and I hooked up. We had been, I guess, kind of internet friends, Twitter friends, uh, for, for a year or so, and we decided to get together. And I want to say, I hope, uh, maybe he said, I don't know, um, but, you know, we sat together for the contest, and I, I think it was one of his first contests ever, and I kind of, you know, helped coach him a little bit. We were each helping each other, though, just bouncing ideas off of each other about picks and stuff, and I really think that helps, uh, but it helped both of us. I was in contention for an awful long time, so uh, one of us was going to get there, and I'm glad it was him. Yeah, well, the, uh, he it wasn't his first contest, but he said it was his first cash contest. Right. That kind of makes it a little bit different because you're not one of those guys that's got play money where you can just start betting thirty to one shots and hope you jump to the top. It sure does make it a lot different, you know. When you're, hey, I'm going to take a shot on that twenty to one, you know, when it when it the money comes out of your own pocket, and it took me a while to transition and to, to learn, just as I learned, I think, how to play $2 win place tournaments. Um, it took me a while. I'm a slow learner. Um, <laughs> but it took me a while to learn how to play those. And I, I, I do think I'll, I'll say that I, I'm, I was happy with my play that day. Um, and in the past couple of tournaments that I played, the BCBC, um, I've been very happy with the way I played. I think I finally... You know, I'm getting better and better. I'm not as good as some of the the best Christian Helmers, you know, those guys. But, um, I mean, there's always a decision point, John, where, you know, do you you got three or four grand in in your pocket, and you know you know you need six or seven or more to get to the leaders. You know, do you bet your two or three thousand all in one race? And and you know, I, I just don't even. I'm just not there. You know, I just don't have that. Um, because you don't have it's 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 two it's a two prong decision making process on these real money. You have to have the winner. In other words, you have to be right, and you have to bet the right amount. And you know, I, I'm I'm right sometimes, but I'm just not betting the right amount. And um, so, but I'll I'll get there. Well, any time I have you on, Michael, I, I'd like to revisit this uh, heartwarming story. Uh, about Glorious Dancer, the horse that put you over the top the year you became the national champion, I believe by just a nose. And you actually kept in touch with this horse, claimed Glorious Dancer out of a $6,250 race from Golden Gate and gave her a good home. She's still doing well? She's doing great. She's uh, she's a polo pony. She's been retrained as a polo pony here in Louisiana. 
but she's done very well, and she makes it down to matches in uh, Miami, you know, every other month or so. So she must be pretty good. I mean, she wasn't, you know, she was good to me on the track. She wasn't, you know, real good on the track, 62.5 at Golden Gate. But um, she's, you know, she she's obviously had some talent, and uh, so she's she's doing fantastic. Just doing great. Well, I've got some friends involved in polo, and they actually say, and they come back, and we, we go down the backstretch, and they look for them. They say, for whatever reason, that, that the mares make really good polo horses. I can't say that they're, they're better than the geldings, but he, he, that's what he seeks out is mares, because he said, for whatever reason, uh, if, if they're built right and they got the right attitude, they make good polo ponies. So I'm very, very happy to hear that yeah. about glorious dancer well speaking of glorious we got a glorious week coming up with the the oaks and the derby right around the corner and i just wanted to kind of get your opinion i've been asking people for the last month i mean this is really a unique crop we're looking at i believe we've got three undefeateds going in there and then you've got uh, uh, carpe diem who only stubbed his toe one time in a little old race called the breeders cup juvenile uh what do you what do you make of this division well it's obviously you know one of the deepest uh fields that i've ever encountered certainly maybe in the past uh, at least on paper, you know, some of these fields that we see later in the summer, in the fall, they, you look back and you say, wow, you know, these, these horses are really good and they're going to turn out to be great stallions, you know. But this field is just just deep. I mean, you, you can make a case for, you know, 10 or 12 of them or, or more to win. I mean, they've all dominated. I say, you know, these 10 or 12 have dominated their local circuits. I mean, you got International yeah. Star, who's won every prep at the fairgrounds. Dortmund, who's won everything at Santa Anita. You know, Pharaoh, who's won the, uh, the two Oakland races in just, like, brilliant fashion. Carpe Diem, who, you know, won his both races this year, stubbed his toe once last year. Um, even, you know, Upstart. You know, he's, he seemed, you know, he's like the forgotten horse. I mean, he lost to, to Carpe Diem by a nose in the Breeders' Cup uh, and then came back and ran very well in Florida. And then you've got, you know, Materiality looks very brilliant, undefeated. I mean, I could go on and on, I guess, you know. But, and then you got the, the, the Dubai horse, who I think is, is, you know, certainly an interesting story and also, you know, interesting connections because the trainer – He's not one of these uh, guys that just is going to ship to ship. You know, when, when Mike DeCock sends a horse anywhere, he's going to win. Um, and, he, and he's got a great record in the United States of the horses that he sent over here. Um, now, I mean, this is certainly, he's picked a tough year to run his first horse in the Derby. But um, I, I guess to sum up, the, the field is just, it's just so deep. And I couldn't argue with anybody, um, you know, if they throw a pick out there, I, I, I could make a case for almost all of them, you know. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be in Mike Battaglia's shoes when it, when it comes time to, to making the line. I'm guessing that, uh, obviously, with the sensational performances that we've seen of Dortmund and uh, American Pharaoh, they'll probably just edge out some of the other ones. But after that, I think everybody, <laughs> half the field should be four to one. Exactly, and I think that's a great you know point. I was writing a column for my blog, and uh, my you know so Dortmund and American Pharaoh will be the favorites. They're they're the deserving favorites. You know, people are saying maybe five to two on one of them, three to. One. I think they'll both be like three to one, seven to two. But 
because I think we always are concerned about uh, you know what the the odds should be, and they should be three to one, four to one, something like that. But then, let's let's then look at a horse like uh, you know um, uh, Upstart, for instance. I mean, he's done basically nothing wrong. He lost his last race by in really racehorse time. He is the fastest horse in the race on a consistent basis. He's won uh, on different tracks, and this horse might be fifteen to one. And so, what what are what are his real? You know, what do you make him? And and to all the handicappers, I, the, what I would say to do is look at the field, make your own line. Like, what do you? What are your odds on? upstart winning the race and and then play accordingly in other words if you think upstart is six to one or eight to one and he goes off at 15 well that's i mean you need to play that horse and vice versa if you think you know pharaoh or dortmund should be five or six and they go off at three or four then you know you need to probably stay away from those horses at least on top and and that's the way i'm going to play it so i really you know i have a pool of horses that i like um, but I'm going to wait to really see how the odds are going are, are to fall. And, and, for instance, if Dortmund, for some reason, drifts up to, you know, five or six to one, I'm all in because I really think he should be, you know, three, seven to two, something like that. And that's kind of the way I look at the Derby these days. I've gotten away from picking, hey, I want to pick the winner. You know, I just want to pick the winner and brag to my friends. And, you know, when they ask, hey, did you have the winner? Yeah, I did. Well, you know what? Last year I didn't have the winner. But I made a lot of money because I loved, I had a really strong opinion about commanding curve. And, and so I was able to hook him up with California Chrome, who I was actually against. And I really didn't like him. But I wasn't silly enough to leave him out, you know. So, you know, you can do that in a, on these type of races because the pools are so big. There's 20 horses. If you have a strong opinion on one horse, you know, go for it. Because if you're right, you could win more money than you've ever won on any race in your life. And that's what this game is all about to me. Well, it'll be very interesting to see how the betters approach it. Obviously, uh, they're going to determine the odds. And, you know, when you talk about a horse who obviously has huge heart and great talent like Dortmund, uh, you know, a horse that might, you know, kind of get lost in there is firing line. I mean, here's a horse that's only lost by a head twice to Dortmund. He finally shakes loose of him, and not only does he win the Sunland Derby by 14 lengths, but sets a track record in doing so. You know, so perhaps this is a horse that's all of a sudden found himself, and he's peaking, and he easily could get lost in the shuffle. It's a great point. If you like Dortmund, you know, there's no reason you, you, you must, you must almost like firing line unless you believe that his breeding, you know, just won't allow him to go a mile and a quarter, which is another factor that separates these horses. They look fantastic at a mile and a sixteenth, even pretty, you know, really good at a mile and an eighth. But I mean, John, you know that that extra eighth of a mile just, it, it, it just does something to horses, you know, and hey, it's only 12 or 13 seconds, but it separates horses, and a horse that looks fantastic going a mile and a sixteenth, you know, a mile and an eighth maybe, they're, they're not around. My personal opinion on Fire Line is I think he fits. He's going to fall into that second category. I just don't know that he's um, that he'll be able to negotiate 
competitively the last eighth of a mile. The two times that, Dor- that Dortmund did beat him, he, you know, Dortmund, he actually took the lead, and then Dortmund came and got him. And that may be telling, to me at least, that he, you know, he's not at the end of the race, especially going longer. He just might not have enough, uh, enough stamina to, to, to get there. Now, Gary Stevens says today, I, I think I read somewhere where he says, this is one of my best chances I've ever had going into the Derby, you know. So, I mean, everybody's getting Derby fever to nine days out, right? I mean, jockeys, trainers, gamblers, we're all getting Derby fever. Uh, I, I absolutely love it, but, uh, I mean, this field is just, I can't recall one that had as much talent uh as this field, and obviously some of these undefeateds are going to be no longer an undefeated after the first Saturday in May. And the horse that you mentioned that's such a mystery is uh, Mutahij, which I'm sure I'm ruining his name, but uh, again, uh, with, with, with his breeding, he can probably you know get the distance. Now at May Dan, they have changed over, so he has been racing on dirt surface, aren't I correct? That's correct. He started well, it's not like a lot of these turf. horses that came out of Dubai in the past that all of a sudden were facing something they had never done before. That's right. And, you know, he's the only horse that's won past a mile and a twice. Um, and if you just look, you know, I tend to trust my eyes more than speed figures uh, on these horses at, at this time of year. And he, he certainly passes the, uh, the eye test. If you watch his races, his last two races, they were visually impressive. Um, you know, you don't need to look at the times because we, and how can we really judge how fast they were? We don't have real speed figures. I know, you know, Thorograph makes figures for it. Um, and they seem to be fairly accurate. But, you know, who really knows? But if you just watch the race and how he did it, um, you know, he, he certainly passes at least my eye test. And he's in all of my, he'll be in all of my exotics. You know, I just don't know how players or betters are going to handle him. And so that's going to determine how much of a of a um, factor or element he'll be in my tickets. But if the, the the longer he is, the more that he'll be in he'll he'll be on my my tickets because I do think I I, I really think he's going to make the super. So you know, at any odds I'm going to have him, but just depending on where I place him, um, depending on what his odds are. But uh, he could get totally. Overlooked, or you know, he could become the wise guy horse. I don't know, and I don't. I'm uh, I'm not going to predict it. It'll be interesting. He's been training uh, up in Chicago. Uh, obviously, he's going to make the, the the trip down to Churchill sooner or later. So I I, I hope to get an eye full of him my, myself. Uh, again, what we're talking to champion handicapper uh, Michael Baychak. Michael, uh, you had uh, before we get on to maybe a couple races that we want to look at this week to pull your expertise out, maybe give us some winners. Uh, You alluded briefly to your website. How how does somebody get to your website? It's simple. It's uh, Baychok Racing, B-E-Y-C-H-O-K Racing.com. And uh, this weekend, because of the Rainbow Six and the first night of uh, Churchill, I'll probably have a sheet up. Um, It'll probably be for sale and not for free. And then, you know, next week I'll offer some opinions on um, you know, how the horses are appearing at the track, what do they look like, and then we'll have an Oaks and a Derby sheet for sale next weekend. So it's Bay And uh, where, where will you be physically on Derby weekend? Where will I be physically? 
Yes. Uh, I, I hope to be in Kentucky uh, next Thursday to watch a, my horse run in the Twinspires.com turf sprint on Friday. Who's but, that? Um, I, I don't know whether we're going to enter him. I don't have the final decision, and I don't know whether um, – from a domestic standpoint, my wife is going to allow me to go. But if she does, <laughs> uh, I, I, I really want to be there. I would just be there. I want to keep giving an extra look. Come home. What's well, that? I'm sorry. What's his name? I was talking over you. Oh, it's Tripsky. Okay. Tripsky. We'll so be we keeping an eye out uh, for Michael Bajak's Tripsky. Meanwhile, uh, I sent you a couple races to ask you to maybe take a look at for our, for our listeners uh, coming up this weekend. Obviously, uh, no big races on the uh, the cards, but we do have three grade threes. And if we could start on the East Coast at Aqueduct, kind of interesting. We've got the top four finishers of the Stymie. They're going to go into the mile and a quarter Excelsior, a grade three race. Um, kind of interested. Uh, we're seeing the kind of the comeback of Wicked Strong. Kind of interesting. Here's a horse that's won $1.4 million, and he's never been the favorite in a race. Yeah, I'm going to apologize, John, because I'm going to tell you, I, I, I didn't look at those races. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't. I, I really apologize. I've been focused so much on uh, on the Derby and the Oaks, and I, didn't, I, I guess I didn't read your whole email. So I hate to disappoint you. But, uh, well, you're not you're not going to disappoint me. We we still got about uh, five minutes left. <laughs> so uh, something that we really ha- haven't uh, haven't touched on uh, is is the Kentucky Oaks and uh, uh, the Condo Commando and Ama Chatterbox right now are dead heat in uh, points going into that race. Uh, great credentials on both of them. The one knock I've heard on Ama Chatterbox is they say. Um, as, as you pointed out on Firing Line, that perhaps she doesn't have the the, the, the pedigree uh, to get the distance of, of the Oaks. Uh, it's uh, probably a little more wide, uh, not as wide open as as the Derby. Well, what you read on the Oaks field? Right. So I uh, I had the opportunity. I've I've, saw, I've seen I'm a chatterbox on a couple of occasions in person. Um, I'm a big fan. Oh yeah, she's very, a Louisiana horse. Sure, you have at, at the fairgrounds and. Uh, you know, I would be surprised if she doesn't run uh, maybe an even better race. I think she is, to me, she's the deserving favorite. I don't know if she'll be the favorite. Uh, there's a horse on the West Coast, Stellar Wind, who I'm a little suspect of, but I think is going to take a lot of money. I hope she takes a lot of money um, because I'm I'm a little against her. Um, I think the other fairgrounds horse that I'm a chatterbox dusted, lovely Maria that came back and won the stake at Keeneland, I think yeah. she's also very uh, strong, and um, I'll just throw the other you know fairgrounds horse out there that I hope gets in the race. Forever unbridled, uh, the Dallas Stewart horse. I think she she has a shot to get a piece at a big price, um, but I think the, the the other horse that I I would be playing in there is I think it's Bird on the Wire, and that's the uh, I think Dale Romans trains her, and she's from Florida. She was uber impressive in her last i mean she got stopped basically and recovered and showed some real athleticism and she's fast and seems to be coming into the race perfectly um so you know i will i'm going to take a stand probably against stellar wind and use the fairgrounds horses um i mean i'm a chatterbox you know she she did it on the lead she did it from behind she just and she rolled these horses and you know the fairgrounds oaks has produced 
I think it's like five out of the last nine Kentucky yes. winners. So it's, yeah, it's you know, unbelievable it's, it's, the horses that have come out of that race and done fantastic in the Oaks. Yeah, and I don't know why. You know, who knows? I mean, there's, you know, why is the Oaks? Why, why do Oaks horses win and Louisiana Derby horses don't? You know, we haven't had a Derby winner in in twenty years or so. You know, so. Um, we've had some horses run second over the last couple of years, Curve and uh, Golden Soul. But so, I mean, I bet against the fairgrounds horses at your own peril because you know history says they're strong. Larry Jones certainly knows how to train um, an Oaks winner. He's trained two, I think, out of the last five or six. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm hoping you know they people go crazy on the California horse and we can get some nice prices on. Bird at the Wire, and uh, I'm a Chatterbox and Lovely Maria. But I think those are the three for sure. Well, I'm a big uh, Larry Jones fan. And the other thing is I've made some money off horses that couldn't get by I'm a Chatterbox, got tired of getting beat by her, and their subsequent race went on to win stakes races. Well, I think that's the key. I mean, you know, you can say, someone could say, well, she didn't beat anybody, right? And then Lovely Maria, who she beat, Twice, I think, went to Keeneland and beat a bunch of nice horses in a in a Grade One. Uh, so, you know, I mean, she's beaten. I think uh, it was Jack Van Berg used to say, "Well, you know, you haven't beaten anybody," and he would say, "Well, I can only beat who they bring to me." And so, but she has obviously beaten some quality horses, and uh, she's going to be tough. If she runs a race, she's she's going to be very tough to beat, no doubt. Well, you've had the chance to see her. I've only seen photos of her, and she she looks marvelous, uh, extremely muscular. And as you said, if anybody knows how to bring a horse up to the Oaks, it's Larry Jones. So uh, this might be one of those cases where, you know, you, you don't go with the pedigree purist and you just say, she's in the right hands, she's done everything right, uh, this, this could be her day in the sun. Right. I will throw another horse in there just because uh, I love uh – I love what Governor Jones has done with, you know, the way he does things with Airdrie Stud, and he's got, actually he has two. He's got uh, the one I mentioned before, Lovely Maria, and he's won it twice before with Larry Jones, no relation, um, with Proud Spell and Believe You Can. But he's got this Include Betty horse who um, has won two races, I think the Tampa Oaks, and the did she win she won the Oaklawn race, which I guess is the fantasy. Um and, or, and, I mean, she comes from the clouds. So if there's a pace meltdown, you know, she, she'll be the one that'll, that'll be the recipient of, uh, of the fast pace, and she might be, you know, 20 to 1. So, Well, like you said, a lot of connections there that know how to get to the Oaks and uh, have been there and done that. It's going to be a very, very interesting race, but not as interesting uh, to a certain extent, as our derby, because no as we just spoke about for 20 minutes, what what a loaded group of horses are, are going to go into the gate uh, on the first Saturday in May. Well, we've been talking with champion handicapper Michael Baychak. Michael, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time and being with us and giving us the, the breakdown. I wish you best of the luck, and uh, maybe I'll just stumble into you down there in Louisville this week. Well, I hope so. I hope I hope everything works out, and if uh, if, if I get there, I'll bring you up. And uh, thanks for having me. I enjoy, I enjoy doing this a lot. Good luck to everybody.
We love having you on. All right. Well, we've been talking to champion handicapper Michael Baychak. I really want to thank uh, Jeff Platt, too, who was on with us. And want to remind you that Hannah, Horse Players Association of North America, is free for you to join. And they're basically in your corner trying to get the best that we can out of the tracks that we go to and like to play. Let's face it, it's our game. We make it go. So check out Horse Players Association. Again, thanks to, thanks to Michael, thanks to Jeff, and thanks most of all to you for not only listening to Winning Ponies, but go to the Winning Ponies web- website. Be sure to read uh, Ed Meyer's updated blogs. They're fantastic. And don't forget to get your easy win forms because they have been knocking them dead from coast to coast. So for Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart, overlooking the manicured turf course over the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, when you come to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.